Split to Media and a Synesthesia Podcast present a special daily October podcast. Hell, 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 hell. to the king, king, king. Jason, have you read Stephen King's books? Read Stephen King's books, 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 King movie, a Stephen King movie. King movie, a Stephen King movie. King movie, a Stephen King movie. I have done my best. To scare the shit out of you guys. Um, yeah, I haven't figured out what the actual like pre-made intro thing is going to be. Hopefully, some fun music or like Halloween haunted house sound effects. Mm-hmm. Something, something nice and cheesy. Yeah. Um, but all right, let me just pull this up and we will get started. Welcome back to another spooktacular installment of Hell to the King. King, The King, podcast King, that King. takes you through the filmography of the modern master of the macabre, Stephen King. King, 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 King. Jason, can I tell you, can I tell you the biggest problem with Salem's Lot? <laughs> Well, that, hold on. Let me tell them what we're doing. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're we're doing uh, Salem's Lot. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> the, the biggest problem is that I was one hundred percent sure it was going to be about witches. <laughs> Why would you call it Salem's Lot? I for for years this has been a movie I knew existed and didn't know was based on Stephen King and was assumed was a witch movie. What what a terrible choice. Uh, um it's uh, it's short for Jerusalem's lot. Is it not? So Salem, Massachusetts almost definitely. <laughs> yeah, of course. No. Um no, we are talking about this is the one I think TV miniseries we're gonna do because technically it's just a long movie. It doesn't really yeah. when it's you watch that. it, it doesn't it's, feel like a miniseries. By modern standards, it's a normal length movie. Yeah, um, and it actually came out in between Carrie and The Shining. Um, and we were talking last, contradicting what you said yesterday. Well, <laughs> we were talking yesterday about how they were the first two, and they are the first two theatrical proper films. Film releases, which in and of itself is bonkers that those are the first two. Yes. Right out of the gate. Stephen King adaptations for like, carry The Shining and we're done. Everybody go home. Um, Which I I would have thought, if you had asked me, I would have assumed there were like a dozen lower grade King adaptations before like De Palma and certainly before Kubrick decided like, well, I'll I'll just, I'll go ahead and do that. Maybe that was part of the appeal, was he was like, ah, yes, this unknown novelist. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, well, he, he definitely wasn't unknown. (laughs) (laughs) This novelist that no one has heard of but me. That was what Kubrick said. 
Although famous, I, famously. I guess I was doing a little, I was doing a little, very little research, and I guess all of his books from Carry On were very popular. I think the first one to, like, crack the, I can't remember if it was the first one to crack the top ten or to hit number one was actually The Dead Zone. Oh, that's funny. Which came a little later. Um, huh. Or at least the movie came a little later. I could be totally wrong on the timeline of the books. It could have come before Salem's Lot. Um but Salem's Lot, not a theatrical film release, released in two parts as a TV miniseries um, the, in the year, uh, is it 79? I think it's the year before The Shining I'm, and yeah. a couple years after Carrie. So it continues to be mind-boggling to me that these are the first three Stephen King adaptations. Yeah. I mean, also this one is also Toby Hooper. It like continues this, this run of... Of uh, directors who I think are very good. Yeah, no, I mean, Toby Hooper is is a horror legend. Yeah, I mean, Um, at this point, he wasn't, right? He had just made Texas Chainsaw, but he had just made Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right, (laughs) you know? I mean, that's what I think got him the job, I'm sure. I'm sure. He was coming off making one of the greatest horror films ever made. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I mean, De Palma wasn't De Palma yet either when he made Carrie. Sure, I think sure. Carrie was part of what made De Palma. Uh, you know, Kubrick was established, but mm-hmm. it, it is kind of crazy that you have all three of these, like, pretty big deal, and my, my feelings about De Palma notwithstanding, pretty big deal <laughs> uh, American yeah. film directors. Significant the figures. First three out of the gate yeah. to adapt these books. Like, <laughs> if you're Stephen King... <laughs> How good does that feel? Right? Although, I guess I, I do know he hated The Shining. So Sure. I mean, he probably hated all of them, right? My suspicion is that he hates uh, every everyone that is that is good. Uh, that could be. Yeah. He's notorious for loving almost all of the movies that are made. Oh, is that true? So why made it extra weird that he hated The Shining? Oh, that's strange. Like he's he's well known for being like a a lovable galoot at the movies who just goes in and is like, yeah, hey, <laughs> that was fun, interesting. Um, and I and I say that with all all affection. Yeah. Um, but Salem's Lot is not about witches. It took me half an hour to realize it was a Dracula story. <laughs> It is a movie about Dracula's. Yeah. Um, so you had never seen Salem's Lot. I was rewatching it because no. I had seen it, but you'd never seen it before. No, I came into this just having seen sort of the big ones, and then and then like Lawnmower Man, um, which doesn't even really count, but I'm counting it. But uh, <laughs> the the vast pantheon of King films, I've never I had never seen, including Salem's Lot. Um, so it was a full mystery to me. This one. Yeah. So Salem's Lot is, I think. Uh, King's favorite book that he's written. Okay, not his favorite. Or at least it was movie at adaptation, point. but his favorite book of his own. Yeah, um, okay. I, I I don't know. I haven't done enough research to know specifically what he thinks about the movie adaptation. But I know that sure. it's it's something that at least uh, in terms of the book is very close to his heart. And uh, I believe the the movie is a fairly faithful adaptation of the book. So we might be glimpsing here. Sure. something towards the core of Stephen King, something where, where he lives and breathes what he really cares about. And I got to say, Jim, yeah, no psychics. No psychics. Not a single psychic in this one. Yeah. I, I was shocked. This is, I think, our first one without any psychics. Oh, it is, because we've only done three. This is our first one without any psychics. <laughs> uh, 
which which bugged me out a little bit. I thought it was going to be witches, which and I assumed there would be some psychic activity, and neither neither of those things. It's just right, a weird Dracula witches story. Witches are casting spells or causing people to you know come under their influence. That's yeah. close enough. Yeah, exactly. And it's like the kind of thing where like, you could. I wouldn't put it past Stephen King to be for him to be like, oh, they called them witches, but really they're just a sect of psychics. <laughs> Right, right. I was going to say it would be like the reverse of Carrie, where it's made very clear that Carrie's a psychic, yeah. but obviously his her mother thinks that she's a yeah, witch. Exactly, uh, it would be in, the full in inverse. Stephen King's Salem's Lot, it would be a whole group of witches that are, you know, they call they're themselves actually, witches, or they yeah. present as witches, but they're secretly right. just which fire is starters. Good, I would watch that movie, probably. I mean, I would watch it. I might like it. Who knows? That's a fine plot. <laughs> Um, it's not a plot. <laughs> That's a fine idea. Lord, Lords of Salem's Lot. Yeah. <laughs> Where they, they skateboard and they're witches. Yeah. Uh, but they're psychics. So, uh, yeah, so it took me half an hour to realize. Oh, so I was, I was just going to say, I think that maybe this is a good adaptation partially because it does give itself three hours. You know, and I think part of what's part of what's interesting about all these King adaptations is, I don't know if this is true, I'm assuming they're all based on 700-page books. Uh, so, for a lot yeah, of them, roughly. it feels like they're, like, they're jamming it in. Um, but this movie feels like it is, it's paced well for what it's doing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I like this movie a lot. Uh, yeah. But I, I saw it when I was a kid. Sure. Uh, and it scared the shit out of me. Oh, so that's this, this is one of those, like, foundational movies for me of, you know, if, if I had watched this as an adult for the first time, I might have just, you know, had a healthy respect for it. Mm-hmm. But it's That's what inseparable I to me from the feeling of being a little kid and being pretty sure vampires are real and that they might be outside my window on any given night. It's interesting that you would say that, Jason, because... Uh, a thing that I was struck by is there's sort of there's two people who are aware of the vampires and can fight them, right? And it's like the main dude who who I think we should loop back to in a second, and then it's this kid who joins up with the main dude, and that kid the reason that he's the only person in the town who doesn't fall prey to the vampires or go blind to the vampires is because he loves horror movies and has <laughs> little statues and paraphernalia all over his room. And Jason, that was you. According to this movie's own lore, you're totally good. You would see your best friend outside the window and be like, nah, I get this. Yeah, no, no, no. I definitely wouldn't have let him in. Yeah, you are that kid. Um, but it, I probably would have still like wet myself. Well, sure. But there's no uh, embarrassment in that. <laughs> but yeah, the 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 kid floating at the window, yeah, uh, definitely was one of the scariest things I'd ever seen. Yeah, that's fair. And so for for that alone, um, and I, I honestly, mm-hmm. even having rewatched it recently, I don't remember that much else about the movie. So maybe I, the movie's not actually as good as I remember it being. But I remember that scene so much, and a couple <laughs> of other choice scenes that I just don't care. I do think uh, that it is it is three hours long, and I was never during it. I was never like, oh, this is really dragging. But in reflection, I do think that it's, I think there's about four to six really powerful scenes, and the rest of it is just kind of getting you from place to place. Yeah. Yeah. But you I do mean, get I, to, well, you know, a lot of that time, you're like, oh, Bonnie Bedelia, what a delight, you know? Yeah, totally. When Howard Hawks' definition of a good movie is, what is it, like, four great scenes and no bad ones, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, which is what it is. Fred Willard's in there a little bit. There's there's yeah, a lot yeah, to carry all along. Great bits. Yeah. Um, and it and, does. I mean, it does feel like there's digressions in sure. terms of just people in the town like wandering into different areas of of what's going on that isn't vampire related. Which sure. I I like at least in theory. Um, yeah. Maybe again. Were I to approach this differently, I might think that that time would be better spent elsewhere. But it all just—it's—it all just comes back to the kid at the window. Oh yeah, the fucking Nosferatu grabbing yes. the cross out of the priest's oh, hand. He's so good. Um, yeah, I, it's just I um I. I, so priests are going to be a sort of runner <laughs> through these movies. I'm realizing now, um, but I this Wait, priest have we had a priest yet. No, I just looking ahead a little bit. I I'm seeing oh, okay. that they're okay. going to be, um, and I don't know if any of them are going to be awesome. But this priest was awesome. <laughs> Uh, um, as a character, he was just sort of yeah. like a weird, strong, uh, flippant priest. I enjoyed him. Yeah, yeah, no, he was he was great. Although I do like that. Um, or was it him? It's he. He. There's only one priest, right? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think so. Yeah. Um, and if I, I'm remembering correctly, it, it has that scene where because part of the whole idea of the cross in this movie is like they make a big deal about the fact that the cross alone it's not like yeah it's not enough. i don't know it, it's it's not like you know buffy the vampire slayer or one of these vampire things with like really strict rules right where, where you like, like put oh, two yes, any straight objects into a plus sign and the vampires are like ah i gotta go yeah like you can like logic your way into defeating a vampire of like technically yeah. this is a cross and you have to leave so yeah you, you have to have something behind it like just yeah, yeah just yeah. having the cross it's just a piece of just a piece of metal it's just a piece of wood yeah. Unless you have something in you that can fuel it with your mm-hmm. belief, and I, I did. And this like priest the, does the, not. The priest is this great character, and you really like him. But when it when the rubber hits the road, he can't fuel it. He doesn't yeah. have the faith. He doesn't Which have the belief to match honestly the might be part of, of what I liked about him. He because yeah. you know what it is. I think that I that made me like him so much is that I think most of the time in a situation like this, the priest. Either it doesn't matter or they do have that sort of driving belief that lets them combat the vampire. And usually it's the whole point of them being there. Sure. You know, story-wise. And and in this situation, he didn't, but he still was going to roll up and fight them. You know, he, he like, had some other more humanistic chutzpah inside of him that let him run in there and go face-to-face with the vampire and be like, kid, get out of here. I'm going to take this. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I mean, and then that that does. It it makes him even better. Yeah. Um, He's not some Superman. He's not the voice of God. He's not this, you know... He's just a dude now who's going to do the best he can to take care of like, a no, kid. I'm, yeah, <laughs> doing my best. Yeah. So I no, I, I I just I that made a big impression on me as a kid as well. Yeah, um, that's really nice. A, a lot of these movies I've never seen, and I'm going to be coming at from a very a much more jaded and and world weary point of view. <laughs> but this one just. I just get excited. Like, if I see the poster yeah. with the Nosferatu sh- shadow over the town, I just, ooh, I just get so Is that what the poster is? I should have looked at the poster, then I would have known it wasn't witches, maybe. That's true. There is a big Nosferatu right on the cover. <laughs> that would have been a big tip-off for me. I don't know. I can see you just reading that, at, like, metaphorically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or thinking like, that it's oh, like yeah, the... Salem's uh... Lot. It's like vampires, but witches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, it's like the, uh... The, um... 
What's that one with uh, Jack Nicholson where he's like the boss of all the lady witches? I don't, I don't think that's actually the plot of that movie. <laughs> well, I've never but seen the, it, but isn't the that the plot of, of a movie? Week? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't he a boss witch and they're all lady witches? Uh... <laughs> Let me review more movies I haven't seen. Yeah, no, we're just going to leave that there. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking at it again, and I, I could also see that if you didn't know it was a Nosferatu, it could just look like a weird, shadowy dude. Oh, really? Like in a cloak. I'm going to Google it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess hmm. I guess we should talk about Toby Hooper uh, a little bit more, because sure. we're not going to get another chance to in this. That's well, fair. I mean... Anytime Someday, we're bored sure. with the movie, we can always just double back and talk about Toby <laughs> Hooper. But <laughs> um, I don't. I mean, I don't know what to say about Toby Hooper other than what we've already said. Uh, I guess I am curious where this falls amazing. in his uh, in his filmography. Where Salem's Lot gets placed? Yeah, because he definitely is a he was a man of uh, constant escalation, right? He like made a couple of little Austin movies, and then Texas Chainsaw, and then I don't know, maybe this, and then that one where people die on a coast, and then that one where a naked lady sucks people's souls. I feel like it sort of consistently got bigger and bigger. Um, I think this is another situation where our interpretation of his career is going to be a little bit different than many other people's interpretation of his career. I don't know what that, what, and why, um, why? In terms of, I'm not, what do you mean by bigger? <laughs> because um, he's definitely considered to be sort of a, like, failed promise, you know? Is that true? I I mean, that's the sense I get from people. I mean, he made Texas Chainsaw, yeah, and then as far as most people are concerned who aren't like really into this stuff he made poltergeist after that except he quote didn't really because there's all of these people who say that like steven spielberg directed while toby hooper sat around and didn't know what to do yeah but those people are obviously dum-dums yeah well i mean first of all from what i can tell research-wise that's not true sure um at all uh and secondly, if you just watch the film, it's not true. Yeah, um, yeah. it doesn't feel like a Spielberg <laughs> movie. It, it does uh, feel like a Toby Hooper movie. It feels like also, a very Spielberg influenced Toby Hooper movie. Yeah, but that's what it feels Spielberg like he produced it. at that point in time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And in fact, I don't know if you've ever done this, Jason, but if you sit and watch the opening credits, uh, it tells you pretty explicitly uh, that, that Spielberg produced it and Toby Hooper directed it. Yeah, it's it, it's funny. It how says that, works, that with words. But, um, yeah. Try telling that to the the entertainment writers of the day. Yeah. Uh, so that that kind of was. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong, but my understanding is that was kind of a knife in Toby Hooper's. That's interesting. Career. I'm I'm looking now just at the list. That he couldn't couldn't hack it. And Spielberg had to direct it. Spielberg got all the credit for Poltergeist. Uh, oh, Jason, I'm looking at the list, and first of all, we will come back to Toby Hooper <laughs> in in this series. Uh, but also, I think you, that's I, exciting. I, I don't know where. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. I'll let it be a surprise. <laughs> um, also, I, I can see how that would. I'm, I'm looking. It's like eggshells. His like slacker movie, and then uh, Doc. I've never heard of, and then Texas Chainsaw, and then Eaten Alive, which I think is sort of a classic, and then The Fun House, which I haven't seen, and Salem's Lot. And then Poltergeist, and then Life Force, which is amazing. Uh, but I think I, Life Force is amazing too. I would also believe that Life Force. I, I feel like that was in the era that everything Go Long Globus was just dying, though. Um, yeah. So maybe that also helped in taking him down because that was the next thing he did after Poltergeist. And then he's. Yeah, kinda, I mean, also that movie is bonkers, and most people I don't think would like it. Yeah. Do you think so? Yeah. 
<laughs> but it has I, that, that's one of those you have to be careful who you share it with <laughs> because of how much it has boobs in it well there's that but also just because most people i i could not imagine showing that to a room full of people just without vetting it because my in my opinion is that if i just showed it to a random group of people yeah. they'd spend they'd spend most of the time making fun of it yeah um well, for being sad. silly or whatever and and not really groove on its rhythms i could be wrong but that would be my guess i mean it definitely only recently got resurrected as you know in like a nice edition and mm. got remastered and everything with the the um i forget who did it probably scream factory but sure that makes sense there's all these little niche houses like scream factory and vinegar syndrome and all these yeah. places you know bringing back these movies that and beforehand were beloved by people like you and me but for the majority of people are just sort of forgotten failed weird trash yeah and there's, uh, you know, that like streaming service. Yeah, I feel like there's a bit of a resurgence happening right now, probably because we have an internet. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I, everything's available and everybody can find things. Yeah, it's easier to get into nichier. I also, I mean, I don't know. I feel like where I am, there's sort of a fondness towards Toby Hooper, but that might be because I live in Austin. So I, my like local community, I feel like there's people are always a little excited about him. Um, yeah. Well, maybe that maybe that throws off my perception of of the world's <laughs> idea of Toby Hooper. Um, probably, I would guess that most. I mean, I don't know. I don't talk to anybody anymore, so I'm just making assumptions about how people are. Yeah, uh, that's <laughs> all you on, can do. Based on not talking to any of them or listening when they talk. Yeah. But I don't. I don't see Toby Hooper. I think he's he's uh, beloved by the people who know, but I mm-hmm. don't think he is as widely uh he's he's certainly not kubrick level and i don't think that uh noah baumbach's gonna make a toby hooper documentary anytime soon i mean i'm totally fine with that <laughs> i am too i'm just talking about relative what do you want to call it like q, q rating or whatever <laughs> do you, do you th- do, has noah baumbach ever released a rap album under the name noah boombox don't give him any idea because <laughs> he should uh, featuring Greta Earwig. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Toby more... Hooper's amazing, uh, yeah. and I don't know, I have no idea how this movie's considered, if it's considered, when he's considered. I, if you'd asked me yesterday, my uneducated guess would be that it would be seen as a step down, because it's TV. Sure. Um, but I don't know, he's still got Poltergeist later on, so maybe he's yeah. still... I mean, he clearly kicked it out of the park with this, right? It's like, you see other TV movies, I, I don't know, some TV movies, you look at them and you're like, ah, a TV movie. But when you watch this, it feels like a movie of its era. Oh, yeah, um, ex- totally. Ex- except twice as long. Yeah. Um, so I feel like they people people in the industry must have been like, oh, this is... I mean, that might even be why Spielberg might have been like, oh, let's pull him in to do this sort of ghosty movie. Uh, yeah, I would clearly, that, absolutely. He clearly can kick it out you know well there's also no way spielberg didn't see texas chainsaw that's I mean, fair he's he's so uh i mean everybody saw texas chainsaw at sure. that point who was in tune with uh that movies so, yeah that makes sense um and and but i could also see spielberg watching texas chainsaw i mean i don't know anything about spielberg but i could imagine watching that and being like oh this is a little intense for my taste um <laughs> and and this movie is definitely le- i mean it is terrifying 
in moments, particularly if you're a child. But there's nothing quite as gnarly as there is in in Texas Chainsaw. Right. Well, it is television. Yeah. Yes. Um, I have another big question, I think, about this movie, okay. which is... Dracula's lot. Yeah, Drac- Drax, Drax's lot. Drac- say, I'd say, I don't know. I don't have a good... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I give up. He, uh, so the main dude... This is another one where there's sort of two simultaneous plots, right? It's like there is a Dracula that needs to be dealt with. That's And, and he's turning the whole town into Draculas. That's the main plot there's also another plot where this house is evil uh and it draws evil people yeah um which is which is super stephen king to be like ah there's a couple of things you know what i mean he's like ah there's here's the movie and then also here's i mean we've already talked about this right where in like i think those other movies i think those the sort of hyper real aspect doesn't even matter to the movie really i mean it matters to the movie experience but it's not part of the main plot um right. and in this one the thing that is uh that is verging on psychic activity and is and has nothing to do with the main plot is that this house is evil and draws evil people um and it matters only in that that is presumably why the dracula shows up and it's also why our main character shows up but then we never really get to see what is so intrinsically evil about our main dude and why the house has called to him and that to me feels that's true there is a psychic the psychic is the house it is a house yeah it's like an amityville horror house point hickox (laughs) yes um no that's true and i don't know i haven't read the novel i don't know if it's addressed there i do know that um salem's lot shows up or is referenced in some other uh king stories the town of Salem's Lot comes up in other stories. Yeah, I see. Um, because of the draw of the evil house, perhaps. I assume so. I know. I know that was in one of the short stories that I read a long time ago, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that place." Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I was again a child. And I don't sure. remember. Um, but it is. It is very Stephen King to have these sort of dangling. Uh, yeah, uh, and it's elements. it's nice to have unexplained elements. Um, it is nice, and they usually get cut out of the movies because yeah. usually whoever's giving notes or whoever's writing it wants to streamline it into the movie they want to make. And I appreciate yes. that Hooper. I mean, again, it kind of matches Hooper's sensibility already. If of you watch course. something like Texas Chainsaw, there's all kinds of unexplained. Oh man, yeah, dangling elements like you know, and, and I think he recognizes that that's part of what makes things creepy. Yeah, part of what yeah, makes yeah. things creepy is having these aspects to them where you understand more or less what's happening, but you don't really know why. Yeah. And you don't ever get a real conclusion to it. Right. You get, you get an immediate conclusion to the story in front of you, but there's definitely deeper roots to everything that you'll never understand, which is how the world works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Stephen King's teaching us about ourselves. Yeah. He's like, Hey man, take care of what you can. (laughs) Um, I think I've, I think I've run out of Salem's lot ideas then. I think I'm, yeah, I think we're probably done with that. I think it's a um, solid three-hour Dracula movie. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is very Dracula. Like it's. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's clearly like a redux of Dracula. Yeah, and I mean, then that is. I was actually just at someone's house tonight, and they had a recent Stephen King novel revival. I don't know when it came out, okay. uh, but it's certainly more recent than I've been paying attention. Uh, and <laughs> I, I opened it up. 
uh, and the the dedication page is literally it's just uh, it's like a dedicate dedicated to the people who helped build my house. Uh, <laughs> but no, but so so that would be good if it was just that. But it was then he lists like Bram Stoker, Richard Matheson, Shirley huh. Jackson, and like all of the you know H. P. Lovecraft, August. Yeah, Darrell. yeah. Uh, but that is one hundred percent like he definitely sees himself as in a particular lineage and he borrows from from these things all the time sure and and it's very much him to combine you know the idea that dracula comes to england and buys that buys carfax abbey Mm -hmm. and turns it into this sort of you know central uh locus for his evil and combine that with something like shirley jackson the haunting of hill house where you know the sure some houses are just evil yeah. So it's it's in the it's in the weird geometry of their of their building that they draw in these forces or they mess with your mind in some way to so to sort of mash those together is that's it's very very king. Which is also just to dip back into it that that's also the main thread of the Shining is also like this building is evil. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the Shining is one hundred percent like uh, an homage to uh, Hill House. Sure, sure. It's Hill House, but with a bad dad and a, yeah. a and a hotel. Yeah, very much. Uh, ah, yeah. <laughs> all right. I, it's not. It's not all going to be roses. It's not. All, <laughs> it's not all going to be vampire children at the window. I'm just trying to savor this because I feel like we're we're going to dive off the cliff soon. Oh yeah. Um, but In we'll, like, uh, one day we're going to dive off the cliff. I think. <laughs> Uh, we'll we'll all find out together tomorrow yeah. on together the next installment tomorrow. of Hell to the King. King, King, King. See y'all then. Hell to the King is a special presentation of the Synesthesia Podcast, produced by Iguana Donald Studios and distributed by Split Tooth Media. Music by Loyalty Freak. Hell to the King is recorded before a live studio apartment. We think someone died here. We think it was murder. We hear them in the walls. They whisper when we sleep. They tell us it's okay. They tell us not to fight it. Shush. Just sleep. It will all be over soon. was fun.